Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I speak to bands about how they've survived and the jobs they've done. Why? I'm not sure, but sometimes we do get to hear some good stories. Today, we've got James Cox from Crows, whose new album, Beware Believers, is out on the 1st of April Everything I've heard from it is raging, including the track beneath this called Garden of England. James runs a tattoo studio in Hackney Wick called Only Here For You, along with his Crows collaborator, Elliot Lane. On Instagram, search underscore OHFY to see what they're up to. They've got a couple of events coming up. The next one is on 7th of May, where it's a flash day at the studio in the daytime. And then Powerplant are playing at the Shacklewell Arms that night. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. This is James Cox of Crows. Because we all met at uni, so we were all in London, that's where we all met, uh, that's where we all started playing, doing like the toilet toilet scene, like 
the water rats and King's Cross and like Dublin Castle and, and uh, where else? Like the Wheelbarrow, all those like Camden venues that it just has someone who'll, who will never, the promoter who will never be at the gig, but will be very glad to say, yeah, you have to sell 20 tickets and then you'll get like a tenner or something. Yeah, so we did that for fucking like a good like maybe a year, two years, straight out of uni. Absolutely no money. We were all living in a flat in Finchie Road. Well, I mean, at that point, I was just working at pubs. I think I was working at in Houston, which is like, at the time, it was a yellow card pub. I don't know if you remember what yellow card pubs are, which are like no. Scream pubs. So there's just stupid pubs. And it would be like every Tuesday. Yeah, I remember was, Scream. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be Scream pub every Tuesday. And it was all like UCL students. And every Tuesday was, a, was pound a pint. So you'd get like a jug of lager for... No, a jug of snake bite was the thing. Everyone would get like jugs of snake bite uh, for four quid, and then the toilets would just be painted red with vomit. And uh, <laughs> I did that for ages. Do you remember what your kind of impression of of London was in the, in that time? Because I mean, London is sort of one of those cities where I mean, I've only sort of only lived in a few cities, but it's even for me, growing up in the suburbs, you can still feel totally tiny and lost and fucking gray and cold no hope yeah (laughs) how did you sort of see london and and see you know your place in london at that time yeah well yeah because i grew up i grew up in like rural very small town mid wales like a two thousand population population town in the middle of in the middle of wales uh called raida which is is beautiful and a lovely place to grow up it rains a lot um but again, once I got to like 18, I was kind of just itching to get out, go out, like play music. I wanted to go to uni and, and meet musicians in London. I was like, my main thing is going to, going to uni for was to meet musicians. Mm. And uh, yeah, I did that. And then I moved down, had a whirlwind time at uni, met the Crows boys. And then afterwards, that's when you're like, okay, I've got a student loan and I have to start paying my way a bit more. And London's just fucking expensive, full stop. But. Uh, I think I think I was quite fortunate because we actually had like a really good group of friends who stayed after uni who all wanted to like carry on like doing what they were doing. Um, so although we were working all these shit jobs like to get by and like kind of start like a life as a normal human, um, yeah, we had a good group of us. So like we had that kind of like camaraderie of being like, all right, we can all go out and like get pissed and have like a fun time on the weekend work all these shitty jobs because we have, we have like an aim at the end of it, which is to either play music or work in film or work in promotions. So like, yeah, we had like a really core cool group of friends that kind of was like our rocks at the time. And like, I think that really helped, but yeah, definitely those times where like, especially walking to work for like a 12, like 13 hour shift at seven, seven students jugs a snake bite you'll be like oh god i've got to do this again <laughs> That's i mean that like. makes such a difference right the context of other people doing it yeah i, th- I yeah, wonder yeah. if that's such like a human trait you know if you're if you're at school or if you're in that job if someone else is going through it it, it does just make it seem more bearable doesn't it yeah <laughs> i mean did that so did that carry on for for a few years yeah, so I did, I did pubs for, for a while and then I got so sick of serving drunk people and like just being around drunk people in general. And I kind of always like beckoned towards the kitchen. So I, every time I like go to take the food out from the kitchen, I'd be like, man, these guys have got it. Like they just fucking, they sit back here, they listen to their own music, like make some food. They always finish earlier, they get paid better. And I was like, I'm going to go into the kitchen, man. Fuck this. I was like, I'm fucking, I'm getting into the kitchen. And uh, where was I at the time? So I, I can't remember what pub, I, I was working at that pub in Houston at the time, but the drummer, the old drummer in Crows, Lawrence, was 
manager at Weatherspoons, the White Swan in Highbury and Islington. Is that one next to the station on the, yeah, on the, yeah. on the roundabout? Yeah, yeah. big, big one. <clears throat> and uh, he was like, we need kitchen staff. And I was like, come on, let me in. Like, get me in. Yeah. So he got me the job there. And that was a very, a fucking, that was an experience. That was a very interesting experience. Working in the kitchen in Weatherspoons, especially that one, was very, very testing. <laughs> Just because it was constantly busy. It was like never, never quiet. Um, the kitchen wasn't very big compared to the size of the pub. So, I mean, every, and again, everyone that, everyone that worked there was great. And this is the best thing about working these jobs. It's like you always like create a family inside. You spend so many hours, so many like, unsociable hours with these people. You end up making great friends with all these people. So that kind of makes the job more bearable, even though the job is mm-hmm. fucking horrible. But yeah, slowly going to have run a Weatherspoon's kitchen is pretty strange because it's either deep fried straight from the freezer into the microwave or straight on the griddle. So, yeah. I'd like, say the, the sweet chili wrap is a favourite, <laughs> yeah. I've got to say. Yeah, and again, probably one of the probably one of the few things I'd actually eat off it, don't worry. The breakfast are fine. Fine with the breakfast. Yeah. It's the kind of like when you get inside the, the curries and like the ribs and stuff like that, just, just avoid those. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, yeah, getting ribs. It's like the muck rib. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Off, you know it's, it's not really right, is it? Man, I would come out, it was fish Fridays, so it was like, what, like fucking five pound fish chips, like a, a beer as well. I would come out covered, like my whole forearms covered in grease burns. Like I would be covered. I feel like I've still probably got some scars from it, just like, just sort of like slapping in fish to the deep fat fryer. And it just like slapping up in my face, and like there was hot oil just burning my skin. And I'd walk. Out. I remember coming here like sat there, like just like sat down the sofa, like with rolled spliff, just like miserable, like oh, so I'd fucking hate it. And then just go back and do it all again the next day. I, I haven't been to a spoons in a in a little bit because well, a because of because of the prick who yeah. runs it. <laughs> yeah. But I have that sort of thing now that I see I see the carpet, and I sort of feel a little bit nauseous. I'm the same. I haven't gone in since since Brexit since since. The, pandemic is when he did like shitty stuff but um yeah and the same it's like even after, even after even a few years after i went there i would go to like look at the chips and be like uh so like so many of those chips i would just eat like straight at like the fryer because i was hungry on shift and i bored and like so many that i was just like i can't even like taste that like sodden potato in my mouth anymore <laughs> No, that would make me feel a bit sick. Well, <laughs> e- eating on the job, that's got to be a plus. Even if it is gross, you're not spending money on that. Well, this is toss up. This is the difference between working on a bar and working in the kitchen when you're bored. So when you're working on a bar and you're bored, you're just like, ah, I'm just going to have a drink. It's going to go a lot quicker. And then mm. the shift goes a lot quicker and you end up drunk at the end of the shift and you, then the cycle repeats. And that's a very dangerous, very dangerous slope to go down. But totally. the kitchen, you're bored, you're like, ah, I'm just going to eat. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, you're then like grazing the whole shift and like, yeah, it's not sure which is worse for your health, but in either place, it's not good. <laughs> I used to work at Hawley, Hawley Arms in Camden, yeah. for like two, uh, two years, and, and that was literally just a continuous lock-in. Every, every single night was lock-in, every single shift you were drinking, and that was, that was blurry. That's when I needed to get out of pubs and full stop that's when i found my like all right this is enough i can't last <laughs> but at the holy at the holy like we met our manager we met like loads of other bands that we're now really good friends with which and we got on loads of tours that we probably wouldn't have gone had we not become friends with those bands so there were definitely plus sides out of like all the terrible stuff i was doing to my body there were definitely plus sides of my career that happened because of those places and i, I think that's a really british thing as well it's like yeah you meet in the pub 
you get to know each other in the pub, like something happens, you meet a friend in the pub, and you meet friends of friends in the pub and, and stuff escalates like that. I think that's a very British thing. Totally. It's a very sociable place. Yeah, and I really like that. And yeah, I've got a lot to yeah, I've got a lot to thank for those places. Sometimes it's a it's a funny thing to talk about because you don't want to seem like you're sort of trying to um weasel your way into something that you want to be doing. But mm. you know, if you wanna play music, if you wanna play in a band and you know those kinds of scenes or sounds or people, sometimes you get an inkling of where you wanna hang out. Because sometimes you just want to be around it, right? If you're an actor uh, or, or, you know, a, a burgeoning young actor, you know, maybe some of those people want to be around working as runners on sets. Yeah. Just because you're around it, you're around the energy. Going to the windmill a few times at being like 18 for me, it was like, oh, cool. This is, you know, and I meet someone who ran, you know, the people that ran Household Name Records, which was a big record label for me and my friends. Yeah. Is It was like, you know, I, I'm not trying to get anything out of you but it's just cool to meet you it's cool to be around it yeah and, it's, and again that's funny how that changes within london as well because <clears throat> for us that was like going to the macbeth in in hoxton and meeting like keith who does bad vibrations and and now flash forward 10 years later keith's releasing our album and he's been our london promoter for the whole time i remember we put on the first show at the, the macbeth elliot the guy who does all the crows artwork who i run a business with he was doing like a little art, art exhibition upstairs and we would play downstairs and we'd like make a big thing out of it. And that was all like doing work, me and Keith for like a little bit. And now, yeah, you look flash forward almost like like eight years later, or where, I don't know how many years ago, seven, eight years later, uh, me and Elliot now are in a tattoo shop, like we're releasing our second album with Keith. It's like, yeah, and it's all come from like hanging out at the, at the Macbeth. I had a friend who, who works at street food. And so I... Got a job for a company called The Bowler, who make meatballs, uh, run by a guy called Jez Felwick, who is the sweetest man alive. He is the best fucking dude. Um, and so I went for street food for a bit, but I kind of e- eased my way in by he was doing these events. He would do like pop-ups in like banks in Canary Wharf. <laughs> so I, t- I turned to Canary Wharf like 8 a.m. And, like, and you have to go through like proper security checks, like get like airport security yeah. in, go into like fucking... HP Morgan or whatever the fucking bank is, I can't remember, but go out to the yeah. the canteen and like they all like or most of the employees they eat for free. It's just like a buffet. So they'd be like they just come over and be like, What are you serving? I'm like, meatballs. And like, okay, give me like all the meatballs. So I did that for a while, which is funny. And then that led on to doing stuff like more like more events for for him, which is fun, like festivals and stuff. And then he opened like a, he opened like an actual brick and mortar place in Covent Garden, which was fun. And presumably like, he's making money. Because I quite often see those sort of pop-up places and you're like, how do people, like, where's the margin on this, you know? Well, the, yeah, this point, it's great when it, <laughs> this is like the, and like now I've worked in, I worked in the street food for a long time. It's like, I got to know everything and know everyone about it. But they always say it's like, never open a brick and mortar place because it's like, that's when you're like, you get the proper overheads and like, it's really difficult mm. to, the, you really see the true margin. So, <clears throat> but as like a, a food truck, like food truck, if you've got if you've got a successful true food truck, which doesn't necessarily say a lot, it's like as long as your fucking ingredients are fresh, as long as like it's well made food, as long as you're like good marketing, like you're fine, like you'll you'll be flying. Mm. Um, and yeah, bless him. Like yeah, you opened the brick and mortar place <clears throat> in Seven Dials in Covent Garden, and which was really fun. But we did it for like a year, and then it just like the the overheads were so much like the rent was so high like to staff it and like trying to do like breakfast and lunch and try and do dinner was, was just difficult so he closed there and then luckily a friend of his simon who runs a burrito truck called luado's uh picked me up 
and I worked there literally for about five or six years. That's been like my until like very recently, until this year when I've opened the shop with Elliot, I was working there uh, pretty much full time. And he was he was honestly like the the sweetest, best man I've ever met in my life. He was so good. He was so, so understanding about crows. He'd give me all the time off I needed to do crows, give me all the work I needed when I really needed work. That was down by the Barbican on Whitecross Street. We'd start at 7 a.m., finish at 3 p.m., which was also sick because I'm a I'm morning person, get my, all my afternoons off. Um, yeah, great. Yeah, paid well, great food. The, the market was such a nice place to work. It's like a proper, it, everyone down there and I became family. So I was really fortunate with that because it was so nice and I loved working there. And I, did, I miss it. It's like, I think, you, know, like, you never think, can think you're going to miss your part-time job from wherever you'd be like, I miss those guys every day. I miss the food. I worked there for five or six years and I would literally have a burrito every single morning. Every single morning. As soon as we were ready to go, as soon as like, we were about to start seven, like, we'd all have a quick burrito to eat before we go. Every day, without a doubt. I'm not sick. Cause, and that's it. Cause, and that's a testament to Simon's food because it, it, it's good ingredients. Mm-hmm. It's good recipes. And that's it. It's like if it's good, if it's if it's well made, then you can fucking eat every day. If it's shit, like bad ingredients, then you're not going to want to eat every day, or you're going to feel like shit when you eat it. But honestly, he's and he's been there for thirteen years, doing the same thing, same almost, almost, yeah, almost like the same menu every single day. He's got like customers who've been going there for thirteen years who still go there. Um, yeah, man, he's he's the best. Simon is he's he's one of the the goats, man. So only here for you is the tattoo shop that you started up with Elliot. How did that start? Yeah, so it was the shop that Elliot apprenticed at. Uh, it was called the Lace Maker Sweatshop under a woman called Delphine Benitz, Delphine Noise Toy. And uh, she she was always planning to move to France anyway, quite like in the next couple of years. Um, but the pandemic obviously just sped that up and she was like, oh, I'm ready to go. And she offered it to Elliot, said, do you want to take over the shop? Like, it's there if you want it. I'd rather you keep it. And, like, that's kind of, like, that's the tradition in tattooing is, like, the the mentor will pass it down to the apprentice. Like, same with, like, a lot of things. But um, Elliot wasn't ready to do that. So he asked me if I wanted to come on. If I came on as, like, co-owner and manager, then he would do it. And I literally said yes, like, immediately. I think I was like, can I think about it? And I called it back, like, 10 minutes later, and I said, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> What was that? Was that like a stressful decision? I mean, I mean, clearly not if you took it quickly, but I mean, was and is there a kind of a weight and expectation? And I mean, this is going to be the first time, this is the first time you're running a business, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was terrifying. I was like, can I do this? I was like, I'm sure I can do it. Like, it's not like a massive, massive studio, it's like it's, but it's big enough to me, for, it, for it to have been like a worry for me. And then I kind of thought about it. I was like, to be honest, I've been working all these businesses the whole time I've been an adult. It's like, and then, and, I, and then, and most of them, especially the the street food side of it, are small independent businesses. And I was like, you know what? I think I can probably blag it enough and get enough advice from the people that I trust and know and love who run all their small businesses successfully to be like, yeah, I probably can do this. <clears throat> so yeah, I thought about it literally ten minutes. I ran back. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then I just kind of threw myself into it, like kind of researching what I needed to do, what what happens, what what was the next steps for doing everything and honestly it all came like really naturally and like it's been great like we are really i get to go to work with my best friend every day in a place that i've set up and love and i don't have to work for anyone else that is a bit of a stress like obviously with that it's like like you don't have like the solid as solid a paycheck or i don't yeah 
get to like get holiday pay at the moment or anything like that you know like i'm, I'm starting a business now still like in the first year so yeah right. i've got it's, it's there are these like perks you forget when you work for someone else that you can just take and like you wash your hands of it but then yeah the, the, I, I think sometimes at like at those jobs when you're working for someone else if you're having a kind of bad day or whatever like that you can kind of be like oh fuck it it's, it's not yeah <laughs> you know you can do your job you know you, you do your role but yeah. you're like you know you leave it at the door no and when it's your business you're like oh fuck it's like yeah it's my business i've got to work constantly <laughs> like yeah i think I, I think i took like a week off last year in one week both of us did me and elliot had like a week off each and i was like oh yeah normally i'd take like at least a couple of weeks off <laughs> like maybe a month do you but, see it as like does that and crows push against each other or do, or do they do they work together? Well, well, I don't know. We'll see that this year, I think. Last year, obviously, was a bit quieter. Um, but me and Ellie have always been super open. Like, it's that's that's what we both are. And, I, and, that's, and it's part of the identity of the shop as well, is Crows as well as Elliot. So it's like, it's, they do work together. It's the, it's the when I'm going to be on tour, Elliot's going to have to be there every day. Or mm-hmm. when Elliot's guesting in another country, I'm going to have to be here. That's the, that's the only, like, dynamic that we're going to have to figure out. We're, we're going to do that this year. Like, the tour, our tour starts in April. And then Elliot's guesting in September. But I mean, Elliot's in, in Paris right now. He's guesting in Paris right now. So, so I'm I'm running the shop every day. That's fine. Like, and again, we've always said it's like we're both doing what we love in a place that we love, and we'll make it work no matter what. Especially this year, we're doing like we're going to do like parties. We're going to do four four parties a year, like a spring party, summer party, autumn party, winter party, where we'll do a, we'll do a flash day at the shop, and then we'll move everyone to a gig. Uh, the first one's May seventh. We're gonna do a Shackwell, so we'll do like a yeah, gig in the daytime, uh, flash day in the daytime, and then gig party in the nighttime. And we're like, yeah, we want to do that because like that's that's literally what we love doing. It's like let's fuse music and tattooing more together. Yeah, now. to be able to do something more than just play music, to be able to talk about and live something that's not that's that's more than just the the, the songs and the records and the tours. That's that's marketing, <laughs> you know, but that's, but that's, real, <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. real life. It's real life. Something where can plug into, you know, yeah, like and, and, and we get so many, we get so many customers who are just Crows fans. Like they come cause they love Elliot's artwork. They love Crows and they, mm. they find out about the shop and want to get towed. It's like it all, it's all, it's all a big, <laughs> big whirlpool of, of people just loving like what we do and loving everything that is happening around us in the moment and love that. It's like, I'm probably on the, when we launched the album, we we're probably going to do a flash day at the shop, which is like flash from the gatefold of the album where you can come and get toes if you want something from like that. And it's like, it just gives us like loads of opportunities to do like all this extra stuff that like, it's just a testament to mine, Elliot's friendship and like, and his involvement in Crows. He is basically like the fifth crow. He's like, he is like part of the band. He always has been. Um, Big up Elliot. <laughs> yeah it's good man it's like yeah and it's terrifying to be to be my own boss i never thought i would be my own boss i never thought that i would be like a small business owner anything i always kind of thought i would always work for other people but well i think working for other people i wonder if it's like a lot you know people who make records and then become producers themselves being yeah. in that studio environment you kind of you, you glean what people are doing with the compressors and, and hardware i wonder if that's the same with working for small businesses like you've done making burritos working in different in different kind of levels of working environments independent places more importantly where you've where you've learned how how to run a business right yeah yeah totally and i say it like simon who runs the is he was he was so helpful to me the whole time he was just he basically walked me through everything i needed to do with like setting up the company and like 
what I need to do, like what my accountant needs, how to like keep my books even like sometimes like, and again, like <laughs> tattooing is quite different to making burritos, but essentially at the, on the business side of it, it's not actually that different. <laughs> so it's quite funny. Yeah. Like, I learned how to run a tattoo shop by run, running a burrito shop kind of thing. It's like on the yeah. business side of stuff, the, the day to day is a lot different. But, um, but you got to wrap them up both once they're done, right? <laughs> yes, very good. <laughs> James, thanks so much for being up for this. I'm really yeah. excited about the record. It sounds wicked. Thank you, man. Thank you. That was so much fun. I enjoyed that. So there he was, James Cox of Crows. Their new album, Beware Believers, is out on the 1st of April. See you next Tuesday. That's not an acronym. With an episode with King Hannah. See you then. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.